is up, everybody? Welcome back to Mile Higher Podcast, episode 59. And today we're going to be talking about the Bobbits, which is a true crime case, actually, that I'm sure many of you have heard about. It's definitely like an infamous case in history, but it is really, really interesting. And I was actually going to do a podcast, I mean, a video on it on my channel. And I mean... Didn't want to do that for two reasons. One, the demonetization <laughs> on YouTube is like insane and I don't want to be on YouTube's bad side right now. But second of all, this topic I think requires a lot of conversation and would be best suited for a podcast. Absolutely. It's a lot of, and, like, and it's just going to be, and, and it's about a, you know, husband and a wife. Yeah. And so who better to talk about it than us? Yeah. And I don't, we don't want to give away the story right now, but it, this is a wild one guys. So yeah, it, it'll might make you squirm in your seat a little bit. Yes. But I wanted to jump right into things. So let's, uh, we've got a Patreon question this week. Um, It's a good one. So here's the question for us What is your guess as to what is truly inside the Sphinx in Egypt? Do you think they've already retrieved what's inside of it and have kept it under wraps, possibly? So, A, do you think there's something hidden in the Great Sphinx of, or uh, the Sphinx of Giza? I mean, I think the chances are probably pretty good since there's so many different stories and like references to it and like ancient culture and stuff. Well, we don't even know why it's there. No. How long it's there. It's been there a really long time. They think longer than the pyramids. Yeah, I think I think absolutely longer than the pyramids. Mm -hmm. But they did somewhat recently discover that there are hidden tunnels within it. Like there's hidden hidden, you know, pathways or or you know kind of like tunnel system inside of it because they're able wow. to scan the outside of it so there's clearly something going on inside but nobody's been given permission to like go into it and try to retrieve whatever's in there if there is something in there oh that's interesting but who knows what it could be i mean i really think there probably is something but i haven't yet thought about the fact that they may have already gone in and gotten it i just it's very even, possible oh, yeah damn that would suck I didn't even think about that before I read this question. <laughs> yeah, I mean, every all Let's the other not. Egyptian monuments are empty, basically. Mm, I wouldn't be surprised if they cleared it and hid it. I don't know, though, because you would think if they did get into it, there would be some apparent... Unless, hey, unless they went into it, then they covered it up and yeah, we just can't notice it. But I don't know. I think we would know. So I don't know. If I had to make a guess, it'd probably have to be... If it's something really crazy, then maybe it's you know, something even from outer space or something like what if they found some type of energetic crystal or like some sort of radioactive Power source, source or some type of like, yeah, energy source within something. it. Element 15, 115. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Maybe. Like an element that we're not like familiar with or something like that. Yeah. It, it, it if could, you don't know what element 115 is, like Google it, do a quick Google searchy. Or We've it could just be something completely unknown. That's not even known to us. Yeah. Who knows? Or but. the Ark of the Covenant's there for some reason. I have no idea. That's an interesting thing, too. There's a lot of yeah, theories about the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, we should do a whole podcast on that. I know. I love the ancient shit. The ancient shit's too. so interesting. I do, too. Because there's so much we don't know about them, you know? Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. But let's go ahead and jump into today's uh, or this week's news stories. So first of all... There's been a lot of shit going on as far as natural disasters between tornadoes and now these massive floods in the Midwest. Like, guys, if you're if you're in these areas, like we really feel for you and you know, yeah. hope you stay safe and you know, take care of yourself it's and your family. Mess. I can't even imagine. I've never had to deal with flooding of any kind. And I can imagine that flooding would be really difficult to deal with because oh, first yeah. of all, you 
you basically lose everything because mm-hmm. you know you can't Water's stop water just, yeah. from filling up so yeah yeah cars are left abandoned like it's a mess right now it's like pretty much a state of emergency yeah it's historic flooding down there yeah and i just i feel like it's important we mentioned that this week because we talked about you know uh, climate change last week and flooding uh, how it will happen yeah and the sad reality of this is like it's only going to continue to happen like it's just the reality of climate change that hopefully people are waking up and seeing it's it's real and it's not going to slow down there's no way to stop it it's a little it's crazy it really is and it feels it, pretty overwhelming seeing those pictures um you know the God, I just saw someone's drone footage. Someone just flew their drone up wherever. I can't remember exactly the area, but it was somewhere where the flooding was. Oh, really? Oh, And it wow. was just insane. Yeah, I bet. I bet insane. That was like footage. flowing rapids going down like. Like Main Street. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my God. Just insanity. It's crazy. So, I mean, yeah, we really feel for everyone dealing with that. And this is not even from ocean either. This is like from yeah. rivers mostly. Yep. And it's affecting the entire Midwest of the United States. It's mm-hmm. It's really. Really bad. I mean, the natural disasters are just getting worse and worse and worse. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know what we're going to do about it, but I guess be prepared. You got to be prepared for this kind of stuff ha- to happen if it's going to happen more often. But what do you do? You know, you can't just like relocate yourself. So, Mm-mm. you know, you got to deal with it. And, you know, kudos to all of you guys that have to deal with this shit because we're pretty, I mean, we're pretty lucky here in Colorado. We had the, you know, the bomb cyclone and, we got a huge blizzard for like they really two days, called it the bomb like yeah it's cyclone? literally what the storm was called yeah why bomb like or it's a bomb cyclone interesting because it's like a yeah it's like a giant winter cyclone coming it through. was crazy but shit was is already melted we're back to warmish weather actually it was raining today but yeah crazy yeah, it is crazy so the other thing that i kind of uh heard about this week or this past week is tom delong if you don't know who he is, he's former Blink-182 frontman, and he's a huge UFO alien guy, and he now has a company called To The Stars. Uh, we've talked about it on um, the show before, but he and History Channel are, are releasing a series called Unidentified, which will be centered around an interview with Lou Elizondo, so the former military intelligence fishu, uh, official who was the head of the UFO research program at the Pentagon. Mm. And... According to Tom, he there's going to be some like really groundbreaking stuff in this. And a lot of things that are going to make, you know, hopefully a lot of people that watch the History Channel go, wow, this is incredible. And and people that have never seen this kind of stuff yeah. uh, with new, UF, uh, new footage, new types of technology, the anti-gravity stuff, the element stuff. And I'm sure he's telling the truth. I mean, he's really followed through with a lot of the things he said he's going to like release. And- yeah. Well, I think it's going to be kind of you know their version of of dr greer's unacknowledged which by the way if you haven't seen that you're you definitely need to watch that oh yes um as far as like all of the military officials coming forth like they're gonna have these generals and high-ranking military officials that worked within this program or have seen unidentified you know flying objects before during their service to tell their stories and tell you know really present the evidence in the case for there's fucking life out there you know, on our doorstep basically. And they're, they're fucking there and then, you know, here's the evidence for it. So it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with that. And I feel like some of the best evidence in a way, or what's most convincing to me, even like, of course the footage is great too, but like just hearing people's stories, the more you hear 
and they sound so real. <coughs> yeah. It, Sorry. I'm like coughing oh over here. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> I think I have like bronchitis coming on or something. <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> oh, my Lord, guys. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've been coughing all day. Here, pick well, up for me. <laughs> what do I do? I wish there was like a cough button. Pull yourself together. Remember when we first started, you were like, there's a cough That's button. That's radio, though. That's radio that has a cough I button. I want a motherfucking cough button. No, we can just go and edit it out. Okay. Anyways. Unidentified is coming. <laughs> it's coming very soon. It's a six part series on History Channel. And yeah, it's premiering in May and it should be pretty groundbreaking. And I think a lot of people, I mean, we're starting to see more people <laughs> come Sorry. into the subject in the worst. every single week and more and more people, you know, see more celebrities tweeting about aliens. And I don't know. I mean, or maybe oh, yeah. a lot of people have been totally alien fans. And now that there's like, you know, more. I feel like we're just having a general awakening towards all this type of stuff. There's a general interest in space. Just the interest in like astrology I've noticed has picked up in the, like, you know, we talked in the the astrology episode. I'm not sure how many of you listened to that, but we talked about um, the different ages and how we're going into the age of Aquarius. And it really seems like people are more and more open to the idea of aliens and all of this stuff. So it's really cool. 100%. What a time to be alive. You know, I mean, I hope I hope so bad that we see. I just want to see we talk about this every week. But you know what? Like, this is what everybody wants to hear. I mean, everybody wants to hear how much we want to see an alien. Yeah. I mean, who doesn't want to see an alien? If you don't want to see an alien, then I kind of don't because that's going to ruin my life. I feel like (laughs) it's not like you can go back to normal life. after It's going to flip the whole freaking (laughs) paradigm once. They Once can they stay like, themselves. how about they like reveal themselves like five years before I'm about to die so that I can stay normal until then. But seriously, like the amount of articles that I see on a daily basis about either it's alien theories or like, yeah, where are they? NASA there's seems a like serious every week, in it. Yep. every week there's a NASA article about how they're building some type of machine or, or whatnot to Ramping go and search for, for aliens. Sure. Like, it's coming. I think disclosure is coming, guys. It's coming. You sound like one of those whack jobs. What? You sound like insane. <laughs> like if I didn't understand what you were saying and I just yeah. like no, I know what you had mean. no understanding of aliens, I would listen to you and be like, like wow, this guy's crazy. Sound like but that's what a lot of people would listen to this and be like, wow, they're insane. A lot of people are not ready for what's coming. They are so no. uninformed and they are going to be the day that they are going to be stressed out. Be like, what? <laughs> I know it's good to be informed. That's for sure. But I think people are going to accept it. I think people, I think it's going to literally. I think you're really overestimating people. I think people are going to lose their shit. Just go nuts. Oh, yeah. Looting, like fires, like riots. It's going to be. Oh, wow. Yeah. You think people are just going to be like, oh, sweet. Cool. Yeah. Like, let's go back to normal. No way. No way. It's going to be a fall. People will war. quit their jobs. Oh, yeah. Shit will be crazy. I'm sure like economies will tank. If we find, if. There are aliens that like come if to they Earth. come and like land and like oh yeah, reveal, like yes, yeah. They're not just gonna like be normal like on your Twitter feed. By the way, aliens <laughs> landed today at ten a.m. Okay, oh, that's cool. Break, no, yeah. everyone's gonna go insane. Like what? And most people are not ready for this. Like when this happens, most of us that listen to this, you know, yeah, know about this true. kind of stuff, will be like, oh wow, We're I've been be waiting like, hip, for hip, this. Hooray, hip, hip, hooray. No, aliens I'm gonna be like, here. holy fuck, I'm having anxiety attack. But really? then I'm going to be kind of excited. I don't know. 
It's gonna. It depends. Just hope if they're, they're nice. just normal yeah. looking. If they like look like people, maybe, or they're like not scary. Yeah. If there are giant bugs, I think I'm gonna be freaking out just a little bit. Or like reptilians. Or, or they're like slugs, like slug things. Giant reptiles. Or someone said, remember we like heard like some whistleblower guy said that there were like praying mantis, praying mantis yeah. species. Yeah, it's a pretty like. I don't want to see that. Like that, I can live without. <laughs> right. A little terrifying. Like yeah. So. I don't know. I, I, yeah, I think you're right. I think it'll depend on a lot of factors. Yeah, I think it's easy to say like, oh, I'm so excited for aliens to come. But like, but if they look like they're going to like eat my soul yeah. out, i like, oh, shit. Yeah, and they could. With these guys. And yeah, they could. They could. You never know. The possibilities are endless. <laughs> anyway, we'll, we'll link that for you guys. You should definitely check that out. It's interesting stuff. But the last news article I had for us is about the cannabis industry, something that we are very passionate about but this is interesting because literally the cannabis industry is booming and it's booming so much that literally it's creating more job more full-time jobs than like any other jobs like over 211,000 full-time jobs in the legal cannabis industry with over 64,000 these full-time jobs being added in 2018 alone so like this is this is just growing and growing and growing yeah it's really like the place to be right now it really is I mean, it's going to end up being a billion, multi-billion dollar industry Oh yeah, within the next five to 10 years. Well, there's a lot of people out there that just aren't aware of how great marijuana really is. Right. Like me, I used to judge the hell out of it. Now I'm, you know, a medical user of it for autoimmune disease. And it's like a huge part of my life. Yeah. And, and imagine how many people could benefit from it that just like judge it right now because they think it's like a drug. It's like they think it's like heroin or something. Yeah, exactly. And part of the whole legalization process is going to be enabling it to be researched more and, yeah. and enabling it to be, you know, used in all these different methods. Like a lot of people just think, you know, like we've talked about, weed is just, you know, the flower weed. You know, we're not talking about tinctures and oils and edibles mm-hmm. and all these other different forms of cannabis that can be used for just strictly medicinal purposes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it's not just a bunch of hippies getting high hanging out, oh, chilling no, with their very, friends. It's a very, very misunderstood. No, I'll, I mean, most people, you know, of all walks of life yeah, take advantage of the benefits. So the actual stat I was looking for is it's set to be the largest and fastest job creator in the entire country, and it's not even legalized nationally yet. So in the U.S., as soon as it's legalized nationally, can you imagine the boom of, because, I mean, it's going to create jobs across every single state. And it's going to propel to that multi-billion dollar industry. And not only that, it's going to hopefully encourage other countries out there like the UK, Australia, who just pretty much, or not recently, but they have uh, legalized medicinal marijuana there. And maybe it'll help, you know, push them in that direction as well. I think so. But I mean, seeing it as a success in other, that's like what's helped it get legalized in other states just here is seeing what a success it's been in certain states. Like in Colorado, it's been a wild success. It's yeah. Our schools, it's absolutely. helped our whole state. The our, tax revenue yeah. from it alone is, mm-hmm. is astounding. Like, mm-hmm. and it really does boost the economy. And I mean, mm-hmm. there's really not that many negatives that have come from it. Mm-mm. You know, way less than, you know, the alcohol industry in which oh, it will yeah. take that over in no time. I know. But one of the things that happened recently was um, Florida actually just recently got their uh, medicinal marijuana ability to, or the ability to purchase flour and use flour. They haven't been able to use flour and they're only legal medicinally right now. 
mm-hmm. and the new governor just reversed that. So they're now able to get flour. It had to be like in pods and like every other type of form before. So that's, that's good news. And hopefully, you know, I was like, why isn't Florida legal out of all the places you think Florida would be? Really? Yeah. I feel like Florida is kind of conservative in a lot of ways. It, it is, but they, they're also more lax on, uh, prescription and stuff like mm. you know and, and like it's a very yeah i mean i don't know i guess it is the south and stuff and it's not really popular there mm-hmm. but over 62 percent of u.s residents favor an end to the prohibition of cannabis so that's this is stupid it doesn't make any sense like bottom line is if cannabis should if cannabis should be illegal then alcohol definitely should right. alcohol is yeah. so much worse causes so many more I mean, if cigarettes, cigarettes too if, if they really just care about people's health, health. which no, no one ever ever that. ever 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 has overdosed from marijuana ever never literally ever so no. it's like it's it's almost comical that people will argue about that but then still think alcohol should be legal when there's a lot of research about how alcohol is way worse for our bodies and we might not even be supposed we might not even supposed to <laughs> i'm just like can't talk tonight we may, we may not, not even have the ability to yes we're not we might built. not yeah we not but might not be built gotcha <laughs> i give up i'm done <laughs> you got this i know but yes i i feel like it is just completely a ridiculous argument Really, and I've had this argument with people that think that alcohol sh- is perfectly fine and should be legal, but weed shouldn't, and it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I mean, you can't just say that. Oh, it's it causes harm to you know your you physically, which is not true in the first place. And no, and alcohol, alcohol causes and-, and has actual research and actual like literally so many people die from it. I have family members that have died from drugs, alcohol, literally lost close family members to alcohol straight up just alcohol poisoning stuff so clearly we're not supposed to have it and i feel like if that's legal why isn't marijuana legal it just doesn't make sense to me it doesn't make any sense but i think i think something is going to happen whether it's in the next year or two I th- i'm saying like five years i think they're gonna federally legalize it i mean I it'll depend so. on this next election but yeah and i'm not saying i think alcohol should be illegal i hope no one's thinking that i don't think I think it should be someone's choice to put what they want in their body. And it's just, right. it just is strange to me. Well, then the other thing with it that a lot of people don't realize too is, you know, <coughs> with marijuana, it is treated just like alcohol. Like you have to be 21 here to go and purchase yes. it. You know, you have to show ID. It's mm-hmm. actually a harder process to go get marijuana than it is to go get alcohol and for some sure. Some people think that like, because it's legal in our state to use marijuana, that it's also legal to drive under the influence. And that yeah. is not true at all. It's the same as a DUI. Yeah. I mean, if you get pulled over, they can, they have tests they can do. Yeah. So I know, but a lot of people are like, like think that because it's legalized, then you can drive. Like don't understand that that's not no, it's treated it. the exact same way as alcohol. Exactly. You, you know, if you like, there was just a, there was actually just a case in Colorado where a teenager was driving super high and he crashed and now he's going to prison. He should. Because I, I, he might even hit somebody too. But again, like it's the same situation. You can't mm-hmm. like discriminate against one because one has the stigma of being a drug. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what happens with that. I think we're going to see uh, some major things in that uh, part of the world for sure soon. But let's get into the bobbits because this this is just a wild wild story so get ready 
But before we do, I want to quickly thank our sponsors for today's. All right, let's go. Bobbits. So you want to just kind of give a uh, preface to to the story and and because we're going to dive into who the Bobbits are, who the individuals are a little bit before we talk about the actual event that happens. But what's a good kind of way to describe this whole thing without giving away what well, happens? Okay. Well, a lot of you probably know what happens. Um, Lorena and John Bobbitt are pretty famous people. And this was all happening around the time the of the OJ Simpsons yeah. trial. So it was kind of like court stuff was really popular then. And people were starting, really yeah. into this. Yeah. Um, so basically Lorena and John, Lorena and John have like a pretty toxic relationship and um, it's complicated and eventually Lorena takes some type of revenge on him as we will talk about mm-hmm. but they are both alive so no one is dead in this crime which is yeah, good yeah for a change which is you know rare for us we normally Definitely. have someone Lots yeah of death so in our, show. <laughs> in our work yeah. um so yes it's it's more of just a story of their relationship and what happened to them. And then it's, it's definitely going to be something where there's mixed opinions on it. And I think in 2019, this conversation is almost more relevant than it even was back when this happened with the me too oh, yeah. and everything. Yeah. I mean, it's um, very, it's very controversial. I mean, it's, it's hard to really pin blame on one or the, I mean, uh, anyways, you'll just have to see. Yeah. Let's, let's just dive let's in. Let's get in. All right. So first we're going to talk about, John Bobbitt or John Wayne Bobbitt. So John, he was born in 1967 and grew up in Niagara Falls, New York. John says that growing up, he watched his mother go through an abusive relationship between her and John's father, which is a very important note to have for later on. Eventually, John's father left and she was left alone with John and his two brothers. John says that they lived in the ghetto and his mom was often raped by other people in the neighborhood. She had difficulty taking care of them. And at the age of three, he was taken away from his mother and he and his two brothers were sent to live with his aunt and uncle. According to John, he grew up with a big family and actually went to church every Sunday with them. John said that his biological mother would come around sometimes when he was younger, but stopped coming around later on. John also said that when he was a kid, he had an uncle who molested some of the kids, including John. Oh, that's God. John was very physically active and competitive. He always wanted to be the best. And as a young adult, uh, when he was of age, he enlisted in the Marines because a bunch of his friends were also enlisting in the Marines. So he actually served in the Marines for a while. And I think when you, you know, when you hear his childhood, obviously it wasn't easy at all. And he definitely endured some trauma there that I think explains his behavior today and explains a lot of the actions he does later on. And with Lorena, just mm-hmm. based upon that short bio of him, you know, mm-hmm. it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. So just so we were just saying the other day, I don't remember what we were talking about, but I was like, God, the world would be such a different place if we all took time to like understand each other's childhoods. Cause yeah. so many of the crimes we talk about, we like, to, not that it excuses anything people do, but it is interesting and definitely makes you understand why someone does something. Absolutely. Looking, I mean, your childhood is so impactful on your life i think so much development happens i think it's in like freudian theory <laughs> yeah sigmund freud right yeah. i don't know yeah that's right but i think he says like your personality mainly develops by age like six like the main part of who you are like you i think so really impacts you so so if you do endure terrible trauma and, and abuse 
at a very yeah. very young. I mean, three years old, he was already probably witnessing shit and yeah, knows, having shit happen and hurt to people, him. hurt other people. Right. So yeah. yeah, I think yeah. I mean, you are you know that saying a product of your environment. Yeah, and I think your environment growing up is so key to the person that you develop into later on in life. And, you know, not to say that people that go through abuse or tough situations can't, you know, come out even better on the other side. Oh, and a lot of people do. Most people do. Right. Yeah. But the people that don't get that far. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's a reason that most of the time when we look at these crimes, these kids have had must, messed up childhoods. Right. And their parents like molested them or right. beat them or something. And then they go and do it to other people. Right. It's like a cycle of abuse. The cycle of abuse is a very, very real thing. It really is. It really is. It's interesting how the, all that psychology works. Which, by the way, if I could go back and do a job, like a criminal, a criminologist would be Josh, super Josh, you want to be everything. Josh wants to be <laughs> an astronaut. Josh wants to also be a yes, pizza maker. Yes, I do want to be a pizza man. You always like say you would wish you could work Dream at job. Like, a pizza Work at shop. Domino's. At Domino's, though. Ew. Or not Domino's, but a, a family-owned pizza place. <laughs> and they would hire you? Yes. At their family-owned Italian yes. pizza shop. A I'd German boy <laughs> with no Italian in him. Hey, man. You don't have any. We've checked. I don't. Not a single bit. I'm pretty white. <laughs> You're pretty German. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> Anyways, back to the story. Lorena Bobbitt. She was born in Ecuador in 1969, and by the time she was seven years old, her parents and her moved to Venezuela. Her family was very hardworking, although they didn't have much money. She was raised in a Catholic household. Lorena visited America for the first time when she was 16 years old, and she said that she immediately fell in love with it. And when she graduated from high school in Venezuela when she was 18, she actually ended up moving to America. Her and her family, that uh, she and her family lived in Virginia, and she had a student visa. When she first moved here, she didn't speak any English, and so she took the class English as a second language, which there's a fan out there who's an English as a second language teacher out there. Shout oh, out really? to you. Yeah. I just happened to see her on Twitter thing. Sorry, random That's thought. Cool. But Lorena at the time was also working as a nanny and then a nail tech. At the time she met John Bobbitt. So when these two get together, oh man, it was love at first sight. They actually met when Lorena was 18 in 1988 and she said that she was madly in love with him. They met at the Marine Corps ball and it was love at first sight and they ended up getting married on June 18th, 1989. And the first few months were great at the start, but then things started to change. So yeah, John, I don't think John really knew what he was going to do after he left the Marines. Mm -mm. So when he got out of the Marines, like as do a lot of veterans when they are discharged from the service, they've got to figure out what they're going to do, you know, with the rest of their life and and kind of transition to civilian life and, and get a job and you know, continue their career. And and John, this was just something that he clearly didn't know what he wanted to do because he couldn't keep a job. And so Lorena was the only steady income and kind of the breadwinner uh, in the relationship, which, you know, I, I think in any relationship, when you have one person that makes all the money, it does create stress no yeah. matter what, like no matter what, it doesn't matter how much that person makes uh -huh. when both aren't, you know, contributing in some way. And that, that's the thing is like John, I don't think was contributing really in any sort of monetary way, but I don't know if he was there in other ways either. And let's be real. I mean, 
it's all it's more difficult for a man like mm -hmm. just by society's you know not i'm not saying that's what i think but society as a whole definitely thinks that men should be like the breadwinner right. and it's that label and so it's probably like harder on a man you know like versus if the woman wasn't working there wouldn't be as much like of a stigma around that, right, right right totally and it seems like john's the kind of guy that would get kind of down on himself yeah because he wasn't the breadwinner you know, he just seems like the kind of guy that was like kind of the man. I'm the man of the relationship. I'm the man of the house type of guy. You know, I don't know. That's just at least how I perceive him as. Yeah. But the house that they had together was eventually foreclosed on. And Lorena went to great lengths, including stealing from Nordstrom's to still try and impress her husband, even though she couldn't afford anything. Shoplifted huh. at Nordstrom. A couple dresses there. Crazy. Which only fucked up their situation more. Yeah. So many times before the incident happens, police were actually called to their um, where they lived for complaints of domestic violence happening in their house about half a dozen times within the past few years. And that's really important to note, I think. Well, the main the main thing is the yeah stress in the relationship. Clearly, there's like turmoil. Yeah. I mean, if the police are getting called because you're fighting, I mean, that's pretty bad. Yeah. Especially they, multiple times. And they were calling it... Half a dozen times, yeah. That's a lot. And they would just like call it on each other too. Yeah. So the police would come out and, and, you know, I think from what they say, it was a lot of, you know, sort of arguing and shoving and, and kind of yelling and... Just toxic. Just very toxic. And at one point, John was actually arrested and was ultimately charged with battery and assault. Lorena's friends talked about how they would even see her... And she often had bruises and bumps on her. So clearly, I mean, you don't just get bumps and bruises on you just for yelling at each other. So no. something physical is happening, clearly. Mm -hmm. And then in 1991, Lorena found out she was pregnant. John and Lorena tell different stories about what really happened when she learned she was pregnant. According to Lorena, she was excited to start a family and really wanted a family. And when she told John the news, he was less than thrilled to hear about it. Interesting. So she says that John didn't think he could care for the child and suggested that he would leave Lorraine if she had the baby, which is just <sighs> fucked. So bad. Who fucking does that? And I mean, it's these types of things where you start seeing this dude's character and just Serious like he's got major, behavior. major flaws. Lorena didn't want to raise the child on her own. She wanted to have she wanted her child to have a dad and a yeah, you know, clearly that was important. And she claims that John was the one who forced her to get an abortion and she ended up doing it. That's so traumatic to be forced into something like that. It's just so sad. No one should ever have to make that decision unless they want to, to do it. That's such a personal decision to make and to be forced into it by someone, especially your partner who, I mean, I mean, if you're like having sex and you're married and stuff, you, sh you should have probably already thought about this or talked this through to not put her through this situation like I'm, I feel like they didn't at all. Like she probably had no idea. He well, would I don't be think like they that. were communicating. Uh, no, on like it was just a bad situation. Levels. And I mean, in, in a lot of ways, like maybe it's a good, they didn't have a baby. It probably would have been brought into a really toxic situation. A really yeah, bad relationship. I mean, on the flip side, I mean, as sad as an abortion is, it's like, you know, what was the quality of life if they did come in? I mean, what if something serious happened? You know, these guys are kind of unstable. Yeah. And 
But at the same time, she should have absolutely, if she wanted to have the baby, she should have been able to, it should not have been his choice at all. Right, right. Like totally. at the end of the day, I think she should have been forced or felt like forced. Yeah. It's the woman's choice to do what she wants to do with her body at the end of the day, you know? And I mean, it seems like she was forced in the sense of like threatened with maybe physical yeah. violence. Like I'll take, or just like fear, like you'll be alone. You're going to be a single mom raising them on your own. So true. true. It's like, mental intimidation as well so i think that was really really hard on her like that was like the last straw with her that just was so i mean you'd can i'd be so angry being forced into something like that i didn't want to do it you know yeah that was just like serious trauma for her it was yeah i can't even imagine i mean we're talking about an ex-marine here and and he's a pretty big guy and she's like a very petite, small woman. Like yeah. she was like under a hundred pounds, I think, at yeah. this point. And yeah, so can only imagine. But on June twenty first, nineteen ninety three, a little over a day before the incident, Lorena attempted to file a protective order against John. However, the order was never actually put in place because Lorena was asked to leave for several, or was asked to leave for several hours while it was being processed to come back later. And she never did, which was a huge mistake, I think, that she didn't stay and get that protective order in place because that would have definitely helped her. And they told her it would take like three hours to do it. Yeah, I'm surprised she didn't stick around. And she said, and it was interesting. I thought she was going to say that she like didn't have time for something specific. Like she, you know, had somewhere to go or had some like reason, but it was just like, I just didn't want to wait around for it. Like I didn't want to sit around for hours. And so she didn't do it. And that, yeah, that was a really big mistake. But her going and trying to get that definitely shows what she was dealing with and where her mindset was. Yeah, I mean, like, it, was it really probably helped her to case that. <laughs> to ha- having her go the day before. But to play devil's advocate, advocate, someone say that maybe she's just doing this to sort of set the scene for what's about to happen. And, you know, maybe she was. But I mean, was she also setting the scene yeah, with the thing is, um, all the other six police calls they had over the years? True, true. That's very true. Yeah. So. I mean, maybe. I mean, it's possible, but does it seem likely? No. Mm-hmm. So basically, what happened was John uh, got off work early the night of the incident on June twenty second, and so he and his friend Bobby went out for some drinks. John said that he didn't drink enough to feel drunk at all. When he got home, he even folded up his clothes, trying to further prove that he was fully functioning at this point. He said he got home at around 3.30 a.m. and went right to sleep. However, Lorena says that while he was, she was sleeping in bed, he got in her bed and started forcibly undressing her and then proceeded to rape her, which is another in like weird thing about this is the marital rape thing is like yeah well she would give him clear i don't want to do this so it is still rape like and you know what's so interesting is how they were talking about we were watching a documentary on this and they were talking about how like years ago it was just like everyone would stay like what happens in a marriage is between the man and the woman and you stay out of it and there's no such thing as a rape in a marriage right basically your property once you're married yeah and like obviously now it's different but yeah there's a law now in place that yeah yeah thank goodness because just because you're married to someone doesn't mean right. doesn't you mean are their shit. property right that's ridiculous and that's how totally. he would treat her and um 
she she would talk about how she was like afraid of him and that he oh and then remember he would say like he didn't even know what he was doing like sometimes would be in his sleep doing this remember he said that shit yeah right yeah 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 that he would just like so his defense to being accused of marital rape is basically like he was sleepwalking i sleepwalk and i sleep sex i guess i just have sex while i sleep and i'm like what the fuck i'm never even okay. heard of that well okay Enforceably, like maybe once, but then you'd have like a talk the next day, like, look, dude, there's no more of that sleep sex business anymore. Like, let's go take your ass to the doctor and figure out why the fuck you're doing that because no more. Yeah, but to say that over, no, 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 I don't even know. I don't even know if that's a thing, though. I've never heard of that. Yeah, me either. Never heard of anybody that does that. I've heard of sleepwalk and sleep. I feel like maybe it could be possible, but I feel like he's totally full of shit. Multiple times. Like it's almost, he makes it sound like it's almost like this repeating ongoing problem he has. But I mean, I don't know at the same time, like sleep, sleep. Well, not that I believe him, but I, I feel like maybe sleep sex is possible. I don't know. I've seen people do some is it crazy shit. Your brother would like wake up and like go do things in the middle of the night. Yeah. But he wouldn't go like have sex with somebody. Well, no shit. He was a teenager <laughs> and who was in your house True. other than you. But he wouldn't, I mean, <laughs> even when you're sleepwalking though, you can walk and you can kind of like, do basic things but i, I guess i've just could... never i've never had i've never slept walk and i've never known anyone who has or seen anyone sleepwalking so i it's hard for me to like like i wonder if you could have sex in your sleep it's so interesting it seems possible to me but but i don't believe him i think he's full of shit right because john said that while he was sleeping lorena was trying to talk to him and said quote unquote you hurt my feelings and you did it again and again and again are you happy but that he didn't show her any sort of response. So I, I believe that they were talking about divorce or like that was already something that was happening that sort of, you know, kind of made this more tumultuous, you know, like more toxic. So Lorena says that after being assaulted, she started to feel numb. And she said that while she was laying there in bed for a while, she eventually got up and went to the kitchen for a glass of water. She said she was drinking the water and trying to calm herself down when she saw the knife. I believe it was a 10-inch blade kitchen knife. And if you don't know this story, you're probably like... Hmm. This, shit, this is about to blow your mind if you haven't heard this. So she sees this knife. She grabs this knife, walks back into the bedroom, and basically proceeds to like pull the covers off him and slices his ding-dong off. Like... <laughs> Just straight up clean cut. The cleanest of cuts, dude. I don't know how she did this. Butcher like, precision. And they described it like she was almost in like this blackout of rage. Like she was just like so fearful. And if you think about it, if you're being raped, right? a penis is kind of like a weapon in a way. So it's kind of natural to attack the thing that's attacking right. you. It, so, it really is kind of a self-defense response. Yeah. Because you want to, you want to go after the thing that is doing the harm to you, right? But the thing that made this case different was that he wasn't actively doing this to her at the time she did this. He was just sleeping in bed, right. and she did it in his like he literally fucking woke up and his dick was gone, dude. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even As imagine. Cra- oh God, it hurts my my whole yeah. body's like shaking dude like, i'm yeah. sure i'm sure god <laughs> it's cringy as fuck literally like, every guy's worst nightmare she straight sliced that shit off and then she takes it in her hand he's like he wakes up and he's looking down and he basically just sees 
a hole with like a bunch of blood. Oh God, I didn't even know what that would look like. Or <laughs> oh, it would oh. be so freaky. And then he he had to stop the bleeding, so that was his first. He you know put pressure on it, and then just like didn't even know what was going on. She fucking takes off with his dick in her hand. And they had a friend over. John what? had a friend staying there that night too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he had a. That's who got him to the hospital. Oh right, right, yeah. right. I didn't. I didn't realize was, the friend was there. Yeah. I thought he called him. No, the friend was there. Damn. Well, good yeah. thing. Yeah. Seriously. So she she fucking leaves with his with her his dick in her hands and the knife in her other hand, like literally comes <laughs> flying out of the apartment. God. Can you imagine if you were like walking to your unit and then all of a sudden someone comes flying out the door with a penis and a knife, like screaming? Yeah, Jesus. Crazy. So she gets in the car. And this was early, early morning. We're talking like early hours in the morning. Yep. It was like four something that she did it. So she's she drives and then she, there's like this open field kind of near a stop sign. She's sitting in a, a stop 7-Eleven. sign at a 7-Eleven, got all stressed out and just chucks the thing <laughs> out the window. Into the, the field. Like just straight dick laying in the, in the field. <laughs> Craziness. Wild. Yeah. Savage too. Yeah. I think it was almost just a blur for her. Like she just didn't. I mean, I, I don't know how premeditated this would be like. I think this was a no, I think it was moment a, of rage. There was an opportunity to mm-hmm. inflict pain Fear. on her. She's fearful, clearly. I mean, none of us can possibly know how she felt or what she actually went through. And I mean, obviously, it's not, not justifying slicing up somebody's appendage. Yeah. Because you're angry. But at the same time, it's like, you know, she, she felt like something had to be done. He, yeah, she was being attacked. So, but yeah. he was sleeping at the time, which just right, makes it so like, hard. That's what's so fucking savage about it is he's asleep. I, I just can't believe that he didn't like wake up. Like, what do you mean? Like, she obviously had to like pull it up to slice it off. Oh, I've been wondering that too. Like, like did how, she lift it up to get a good angle when she yeah, did the slicing, like, or did she just like straight hack no, it? No, <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think because that would have been messy as fuck. I don't know. You think he would have stopped her though if he saw her like pulling it up and getting <laughs> and just the cutting. Like, I don't how, know how sharp was this fucking knife. And like, I've heard like doctors talk about this that it was like the cleanest cut ever. Like it was straight. Like could be it was perfect. It because, was surgical perfection. Yeah, surgical perfection. Because as we'll talk about here, yeah, he does end up reattaching that shit, <sighs> and it works just fine as we will get into. Ah, oh, crazy. So it's 5.06 a.m. that morning when the Manassas City Police Department got a call. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't even imagine that call. Hi. We have a woman who cut her husband's uh, penis off. <laughs> she's currently on the loose with it. Uh, no, but they it's... thought at first they thought she swallowed it. That was the first word they got over the dispatch. Oh my but a girl like got. I think they, they may, may have thought she like bit it off and swallowed it. Yeah. Yeah. That's so gross. I wonder if that's ever happened. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> That is just some that is so next gross. level shit. So the so the first thing that investigators noticed when they arrived at the scene was there's blood droplets that led from the parking lot where the car was across the sidewalk and up the apartment stairs into apartment number five and through the living room into the bedroom on the left side. Uh, the police got there and were trying to find the penis. So they're like, look, <laughs> like, can you imagine? I can only imagine these cops. <laughs> they're like, got their flashlight. The they're ban- like, all right, man. They like banter. We're looking for themselves. a dick. Like, all right, guys, let's find this fucking dick. Where'd it go? <laughs> Dick on the loose. I'm sorry. It's, it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. <laughs> Dick on the loose. 
But one of the officers was in the bedroom and they noticed a large pool of blood on the mattress. There was also a trail of blood on the ground as if someone had got up and started walking out of the room. Yeah, At no this shit. point, there was still no sign of the penis. <laughs> so the police go back in the kitchen and look in the fridge and the dishwasher and the garbage disposal. Oh, oh man. Anywhere sick. they think of where this thing might have been. And when they were looking around, they came across some pamphlets that were about rape and domestic violence. That's what's so crazy, too, is when he came home that night from his night out, she, Lorena had actually been reading literature on rape and domestic violence. Yeah, she was trying to see because I think he was playing this whole game because she, you know, was from another country and stuff that like because we're married, I can do whatever. Like no one will care about your complaints. Like police won't care. We're married. There's, you know, whatever. So she started being like educating herself and realizing, no, this is this is rape. This is domestic violence. Because, you know, she didn't do about anything for a long time about it. And I feel like she's finally just had enough. Yeah. Like she yeah. hit her boiling point for sure. Very true. But on the flip side, could have been completely staged. She could have staged this entire incident if, if in fact, he wasn't doing the things that he allegedly did to her. Okay, but like, let's let's talk about I'm this I'm just putting it out there. No, I know not- you're playing devil's advocate and I know what yeah. you really think. But... Do you know? I Hopefully. <laughs> But I feel like, I don't know, like why, what would her reasoning be for cutting this guy's dick off unless he was doing things to her? Why would she do that otherwise? There is no other, it's not like he cheated on her. She doesn't seem like she's like insane. No, no. she's Crazy fuck. No, and like why, why would, wouldn't he be like, she literally just did this for no reason. There was no signs. Like it seemed like in his interviews, like he knew he had this come into him. True. You know, like True. he didn't seem like completely shocked that she did this. Yeah. And why would she just do it? It doesn't make any sense. No one just stages no. this because they are they just really want to cut someone's dick off. And like that's that makes like no such sense. Such a personal Yes. Like <laughs> injury to give yeah. somebody. Yeah, especially someone that you at one point loved and are married to. Like they must have really had to hurt you. And especially for you to attack that body part shows what you have been through in that true regard in yeah. the bedroom yeah so i don't i mean i don't think she would just do this you don't think for she's no just reason an evil no evil person that- no i think she was for a long time thought that because we're married like she didn't know exactly what legally she could do and you know she finally hit the point where she was educating herself and decided to do something about her situation I mean, and her going case, to the yeah why didn't she just fucking kill him like she had yes. an opportunity too. like if she was that evil murderer yeah. type individual, yeah. it's why not like she's she going to get money for this and like plunge it into his chest. Yeah, There's no insurance money this, to get. There's no like, you right. know, yeah, no, it was clearly like a passion thing. Like she was like, you fuck. It was defense. Yeah. That's what I meant. Def- yeah. But it was a, pa- a crime of passion. I Rage. Yeah. 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 So not long after Lorena shows up, the police station is requesting to report the abuse. Police told her that they were going to discuss told this, her. but first it was important for her to tell them where the fucking penis is because time is of the essence. We got to find yeah. this penis before it's no good. If anymore. I were John, I'd be like, get so, on it. Like, where is this? That's crazy. And this thing is laying in a field and somebody could step on it. A dog could get it. Ew, a bird could get it. It's probably just laying in the dirt. It's done. It's like covered in grass. Wait, which didn't you want to see it? Oh, yeah. You found a picture of that. So, shit. of course, knowing me, like, I'm like, I got to see what this thing looks like. <laughs> I'm like, there's got to be a picture of it somewhere. And I won't insert. But if you. Google, <laughs> yeah, you better not. YouTube just Google. Shut us down. Just Google John Bobbitt. 
dick. <laughs> dick, yeah. And it will come up. Sean Bobby Wiener. And after looking at it, you can definitely see it's like definitely a clean cut for sure. See if you find it. Oh, damn. Wait, that's not it. That looks fake. That looks like wax. That's it? No, no, no. No, no. What the hell? That is like wax. No, no, no. It's it's very obvious when you see it. Uh, I don't see it. I don't know. Maybe you should bring it up. All right. Hang on. Let me pull it up real quick. Well, I typed in wiener. Maybe that's not good enough. All right. Here we go. Oh, I must have like safe search on or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You probably do. Okay. Damn. People have dressed up as John and Lorena for Halloween. Really? Yeah. Look at the. Oh, that's so fucking weird. It was like a, it's like a guy with like fake blood all over his pants and then a girl with a knife. Okay, here you go. You can kind That's of see. Really there you weird. go. All right. Here's the here's uh the urology expert holding That's it up. That's it. That's it right there. That looks like a tiny mushroom. Yeah, I mean it's <laughs> That is a small schmackle. <laughs> <laughs> I told you. That is like tiny. It looks like a little like like a toe, like a big toe. That is a clean cut though. Damn, yeah. that is like That's a nice slice. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's really small. Oh my god! Well, I bet without blood in it, it's gonna be yeah, small. dude. Like, <laughs> not that I give a fuck, but yeah. So that's that's it. Now you have that image permanently mm. ingrained in your head. You're welcome. Honestly, I've, I I pictured it way bigger than that. That's really small. So now she was like holding it in her like I pictured her like holding it in her hand. It was like slinging around, oh but now I god. feel like it's this no, like well, tiny thing in her palm. Now she's again, like holding it. You have to understand how a penis works, okay? It's yeah, not I do a fucking understand. bone. Right? I know. We went over Come this on, earlier. Mike. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, this, op- this episode is so cringe right now. It is. But that's that's just the way the, the story goes. This is the nature of this story, that's for sure. So they're looking for this, this penis. <laughs> Lorena tells them that she does, isn't exactly sure where it was, but that she remembers throwing out a bunch of things out the car window when she was driving by a 7-Eleven on Polk's Road. She basically threw it out her left window over her car and it landed. She literally like stuck her hand out the window and then and gave it a little it. flip over the top. Yeah. Into the like yep. side of the road. And then she threw the knife into the garbage can. This also happened to be trash day. So before the trash came that day, the police had to run to get the trash before the truck did. And they were actually able to retrieve the knife, which you can look at the picture of the knife. It's a big old knife too. And clearly pretty sharp. But meanwhile, people are searching the area of the land that Lorena described, throwing it out of. And then they eventually find it. <laughs> the cops eventually find it, but they don't want to touch it because they don't have gloves. So they wait for the EMS. The EMS shows up because they got gloves and they grab the penis. And then they're like, oh, shit, this is like an appendage. And what you're supposed to do is if, you know, if there's a missing limb or something is get it on ice as soon as possible because that helps preserve the blood vessels and everything, I believe. And just preserve the overall appendage and so they went to 7-eleven and got a hot dog little hot dog tray put ice in it and then laid the penis on the ice and in, in a 7-eleven hot dog thing and rushed <laughs> it off to the prince william Hell yeah. and an they were already right in the there. or uh with him the surgeon so so there was a you're all uh, they're like hang on man we're looking for the dick right now right because they're like well shit this we don't have anything to reattach i we're wonder if they're to talking just... to him like yo log so let's talk about options here if we find the dick here's what's yeah, gonna happen seriously. but if we don't what are your options so tell us you look this up what happens if you can't reattach it or 
tell tell them about that case of the other woman. Oh yeah. So there's so I was curious, like, is there any other cases out there where a woman cuts off mm-hmm. you know a man's penis and does something? So there is a case where somebody did this and this woman, she's like 48, and she cut off her 60-year-old husband. She was gonna be divorcing him. Well, first tied her, tied him down to the bed and then cut his dick off and then put it down the disposal. So there was no penis to reattach. So what they have to end up doing is kind of just like closing up that area. And then they like have to reroute your, your whole like urethra and all of the, you Ugh. know, urology stuff for urine and stuff. And you end up having to sit to pee as a guy. Like they reroute it through your butt. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's so gross. That's terrible. I mean, it's fucking frightening. So John was extremely lucky. Did you mention that girl? Yeah. What about her? What? So what ended up happening to her? Oh, so she, so the girl that did this to this other guy, I don't know why I'm laughing, but she ended up getting like a felony torture charge. Like they, well, yeah, cause it should. was like very premeditated and like she, well, yeah, she tied, like, him, tied up him up and, and then yeah. while he was awake, I believe she like cut it off. Like, I came in like that is, that is horrible. And then destroyed it. And then destroyed it. So yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's pretty if strange. that happens and the only thing they can do is they can kind of try to create another one from like other skin areas I think like leg arm fat and like kind of make a you know dick type thing but a dick type thing but yeah I mean <laughs> otherwise you're screwed like but that's uh, that's where John Baba was extremely lucky that not only yeah. did they find his his uh, yeah and then they put it on ice and got it to the OR and Dr. Berman who's the main surgeon Perform the duty of sewing the penis back on. It took like nine hours or something to do it. And they actually had a plastic surgeon in there. And because they have to, the main thing with doing this is it's not hard to like reattach an appendage, but it's hard to restore complete functionality to it. So like obviously with this body part, there's a lot of blood vessels there. So they have to do microscopic blood vessel work, which is astounding that they can do this. I don't even understand how it's done. But they're able to to reconnect all these tiny blood vessels, basically in order to, you know, restore complete functionality. And yeah, yeah he got That's pretty rough. lucky. But meanwhile, on the other side of the hospital, Lorena was having a rape kit done because she was saying like, "He raped me," you know. But by the next day, all the shit was over on paper. It was on the cover of every single newspaper and getting international coverage at this point because this is like so bizarre and crazy and weird and unheard of. And with the help of her boss and good friend, Jana Bassetti, Lorena hired an attorney named James Lowe to represent her case. Jana also hired Lorena as an agent and manager and media rep to help her handle all the media attention she was receiving. One of the crazy things about this case was the fact that the newspaper started using her name instead of just wife. And so now her identity had been publicized. When she was arrested on the night of June 23rd, she told the police he always has an orgasm and he doesn't wait for me to ever have an orgasm. He's selfish. <laughs> That's what she was saying. Yeah, she was. She definitely is a little spicy, Lorena. Yeah, definitely a little spicy. That was that was a little strange comment there. Yeah, very, very selfish. Yeah, they're, I feel like their relationship was like so sexual too. Oh, yeah. Like, it must have started that way. Well, if you think about it, like he says like she didn't speak English very well. I don't think they really talked like and communicate yeah. that much. I think she, she was more of like a, I don't know. 
more of an object to him than yeah a person. He didn't respect her. Yeah, as a exactly. Wife. Right. That's it. Yeah. So she ended up being formally charged with malicious wounding, and John was also charged with marital assault. So they both caught charges on this this whole incident, which is interesting. Yeah. And basically, John was being accused of of abusing his wife. And it was confirmed through tests that Lorena had sexual intercourse the night that all this happened. However, John claims that he never had sex with her on this particular night, which is also interesting. So John completely denies. And I mean, you can see news or interviews with him talking about this. Mm -hmm. And he's, I don't know, I get very sketchy, you know, deceiving vibes from him um, just because he just kind of darts around the question as far as. Yeah, he really does. Did you have sex with him? And he ends up kind of saying, well, she. Yeah, for sex a lot on of me. Blame. That's yeah. what he said. He said she was like trying to trying to get me to do it and I didn't want to or something. You can tell just by what they did with their lives after this where their intentions lied, both of them. Oh, yeah. Which we'll explain. It's like, going to make things a lot yeah. more clear. But John ended up facing malicious sexual assault, which carried 20 years in prison versus life in prison if he had been convicted of marital rape. So John's trial began on November 8th, 1993. And leading up to the trial, there was a ton of publicity surrounding the story. Manassas was most well known for being a place where several civil war battles took place, but it was now becoming known for the place where a woman cut off her husband's wiener. <laughs> Both Lauren and John talked about how they, re- or Lorena and John talked about how they received a ton of publicity and attention to this case. It literally blew up. Like there was cameras everywhere. They were being interviewed by everybody. Yeah. It was huge. Mm-hmm. It really was. So John's trial was a sexual crime and therefore it required permission to air the trial on TV. The lawyers decided not to allow news stations in the room during the trial. During John's trial, he argued that he absolutely didn't rape his wife and that she was the one that attacked him. And he kind of maintains this whole thing like Lorraine is just this crazy bitch. She's just crazy. Like he has that attitude towards her. Like she's just kind of like out of her mind and you know, she did all this stuff to me. And so I had to restrain her, you know, I had to do this all the time yeah. when we were fighting and that's kind of his whole angle on this. But obviously Lorena told a very different story. One thing that's important to note is that because of the laws in Virginia, the judge made it very clear that this trial was only about the incidents that occurred on June 23rd, meaning that any prior incidents of accused assault was not something that he could be charged with. They were only here to focus on the events from June 23rd and onward. Mm-hmm. During the trial, she talked about how John raped her that night, and that's why she chose to do what she did. She said that after he raped her, she went to the kitchen to drink some water, and that's when she took the knife, brought it back to the bedroom, and then proceeded to cut his his wang off. One of the things that's interesting is the fact that there was a rip in her underwear, and it was a big discussion on whether the rip was actually ripped when John was literally ripping her underwear off of her to forcibly you know, make his advances or if she cut them with scissors and then it ripped to make it look like it was forced. Like, Cause that's the whole thing, right? He's like, she's just kind of like setting this up for me, setting me up. Essentially. I had nothing to do with this, but then she's being like this fucking guy is straight up. Yeah. Attacked you know, me. Abusing me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, who do you believe? You know, like who do you believe? So John's verdict after testifying for two days, the jury reached a verdict on November 10th, 1993. The jury was made up of nine women and three men, and they didn't believe 
the prosecution's argument to be valid and John was announced to be not guilty. Yeah. Got acquitted. A lot of people were really upset, but a lot of people were also um, happy and supported him. Mm-hmm. Many people argued that he was facing over 20 years in jail because he chose to have sexual relations with his wife, something that was thought to be a man's right. That's absolutely ridiculous and disgusting. And it doesn't surprise me that people think like that, though. Well, I think it's kind of an old-fashioned idea that's been around yeah. for you know, a long, long time. Yeah. And obviously is not right. After John was acquitted, he moved to a farm in Colorado Springs, actually, and he wanted to get as far away from everyone as he could. But of course, everyone's wanting to do an interview with him. Yeah. He was getting like peppered with interviews constantly. Oh, yeah. But however, he decided it was best if he stayed out of the public eye until Lorraine's trial was over, which was coming up next. While he was at the ranch, he met a girl named Stephanie and they dated for a short amount of time. So already moved on. And during this time, the media was completely eating up the story. At this point, a lot of people were looking at Lorena as someone who is this crazy monster, and they were obsessed with talking about it. It was all over the news and late night TV. They were doing like SNL yep. sketches. Yep. There's all these clips of of comedians, late night hosts, like people dressing up for Halloween, kind of like making I just fun saw. of it. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It was like a big like pop culture story in a way. And people would like describe <laughs> Lorena as this hot blooded Latina woman. You know, like spicy, mm-hmm. this just this fire. A lot of women felt like really empowered by her, and they're like, "Go, bitch!" Like, yeah, yeah, totally. No, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of girls out there who have been wrongly just taken advantage of by men, and this was in a way like a win. Mm-hmm. You know. So Lorena said that all of this though had a very negative effect on her and caused her great depression and lots of anxiety, which I can only imagine. Yeah. And on the flip side, of course, John is getting all kinds of positive attention mm-hmm. because you're the guy that got his dick cut off and reattached. And Poor you. Yeah, seriously. Howard Stern hosted a Miss New Year's Eve pageant and he made the main focus of the show a telethon that raised money for John. God. By the end of the show, callers donated $19,000. Wow. Because obviously after having this happen, he was in tons of debt. Yeah. Tons of medical bills after this. And legal bills. Too, yeah. Probably. Legal bills too. Right. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, after, after this happened, or I'm sorry, did I say 19,000? I It's 190,000. Holy shit. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. For him? Yeah. Oh my God. Because basically after, after this whole ordeal, he had to file bankruptcy. Like he had no money because he was separating from Moreno and like they didn't have any money. Yeah. They were, you know, basically broke and he had all these medical bills. I'm sure he had a couple hundred thousand. Can you imagine a, oh, yeah. s- a surgery like that would cost? Nine hour surgery oh, would cost? Oh my God. Yeah. Like, oh my like gosh. Like emergency surgery. I'm That's sure the a cost major is surgery. So unique too. Like yeah. it's a specialized. Oh my God. I'm sure he had like half a million in, in debt or something yeah. crazy like that. So he just filed bankruptcy. And what's actually crazy and fucked up is that because he did this, the hospital and the surgeons never got paid. Wow. They never got paid for this surgery. Wow. That they did. Wow. No money has ever been paid. Yeah, to because them. he paid bank- he he was like, bankruptcy. Wow. And That's then crazy. John decides that he's going to form a band called Severed Parts. <laughs> nice. And he actually went on tour for a little while and sold Severed Parts shirts. Like merch. Sweet. So he was milking this for sure. I mean, he was, yeah. I mean, he needed money, so he was going to take any opportunity he had. 
He was constantly on different TV shows and radio shows. He was interviewed by just about everybody out there, every major radio show or TV show you can imagine. But there's a lot of split opinions between men and women. Most men saw it as the worst thing you could possibly do to them. And most women saw it as she was being abused for so long that mm-hmm. she she eventually struck the area that was doing the most harm. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It's like, like I said, a weapon. And like you said, I mean, women were taken to the streets, like literally like, yep. you know, rallying and being like support Lorraine and stuff. It's, yep. it's really crazy. So we're going to get into Lorraine's trial here in a sec. I just want to thank our last sponsor. Lorraine's trial started on January 10th, 1994. She was on trial for malicious wounding charges. This was the trial that everyone, especially in the media, was really looking forward to. Cameras were actually allowed in the courtroom during a trial. So it was a huge deal. Yes. TV sensation. Back then, I mean, the OJ trial was so big for TV that yep. they had to take advantage of, of this too. The trial was originally set for December 23rd, but was moved to January 10th because media outlets were worried that no one would tune in because it was so close to the holidays. Can you imagine that? They, they moved the trial. Or, or, yeah, to January 10th. Lorena's plan for defense was to claim temporary insanity and irresistible impulse. They were going to argue that she went through so much trauma from being raped and therefore temporarily had like a just snapped yeah. and went berserk. For I think minute. that's really like understandable. I, I do too. I think you can definitely like hit your breaking point. I mean, we always like, say like so angry. Don't hit your breaking point, but I think we all have a breaking point that. You can only take so much abuse or so much shit. It's like if you're you like snap. you were sitting in a cage, like an animal, and someone's just poking you with a stick over and over and over right. and over. Totally. Eventually, you're gonna fucking take that stick and cut that shit off. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. And before the trial started, the judge actually offered her a plea bargain, saying that if she admitted that this was premeditated, that she would only have to go to jail for four months and wouldn't have to go on to have a big trial. Or a risk of being convicted, which uh, I don't know. Is it worth it just to admit that it was premeditated? Apparently, Lorena didn't think so. She denied the bargain because she knew that if she took it, then she would never be able to be an American citizen. Oh. Which is interesting because she what that's another thing to this too, is like she's not an American citizen. She's mm-hmm. from Venezuela and mm-hmm. and the whole idea, like this whole thing is also like she was probably with him too because you know if you're married to an american citizen especially a marine you know you know he's going to be able to help you get citizenship and you know sort of live out that american dream that i think she wanted so she was willing to risk 20 years in order to have the chance to be an american citizen wow that's crazy and at that point the trial continue on court tv now known as true tv was the station hosting the trial coverage Everyone was glued to their TVs during the trial. Over 60% of the country was watching. And during the trial, many people testified about how John and Lorena didn't have a good relationship and how many times they would fight. Like they brought in tons and tons of people that would basically say, yeah, they were, it was a crazy relationship. Yeah. Just constant fighting and, and just really toxic. And one of the things that she talked about was the first time he had ever punched her. She said that they were driving back home on the highway Lorena says that John had been drinking but was still driving and going around 85 or 90 miles per hour and was swerving. She said that she then tried to grab the steering wheel and that's when he just straight up punched her in the chest. Damn. Which is fucking ridiculous. It's 
so scary. And then she said that once they got home, John grabbed her arm and brought her into the apartment and then proceeded to kick her and tell her that I told you not to cry, quote unquote. Wow. After this, an officer showed up and Lorena says that John became a totally different person. He wasn't aggressive and yelling and all of a sudden was very calm. It's this dude's sign. Yeah, seriously, look it up. Lorena decided to leave the apartment and sleep in her car in the parking lot after work. Lorena oh, my not, God. Huh. Hmm. Lorena denied ever telling anyone about this incident because she was so mortified that the person she loved reacted in this way. And she Dude, was in he's an Aries. No shit. Aggressive. Yeah. And they're known for being really aggressive in sex like men. I even talked about this in my video with Kathleen. Yeah, you did. Yes. That's kind of crazy. Makes sense. Yeah. I wonder what she so is. So he, yeah, he definitely, his behavior fits his, you know, some of his sign. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And the whole thing with Lorena too is like she was, she said she was raised Catholic and she doesn't believe in divorce, which Catholics don't believe in divorce. But I think many Catholics would say that it's okay to divorce somebody if you're literally being raped and physically abused. Like, Oh my gosh, I can't, this is crazy. So she's a Scorpio born on Halloween, like the craziest type of Scorpio. Wow. And um, wow, that's like the sexual sign. Like, And it's the sign of revenge. Like if one sign is going to do something like this, it would be Scorpio. I literally could not have guessed those signs better than that. An wow. Aries and a Scorpio. That makes so much it does. sense. Like those are the two signs I definitely would put for both of them if I were to guess before I looked those up. That's insane. Well, no wonder this shit went down so wrong. Yeah. An Aries and a Scorpio in an insane Explosion. sexual relationship. Explosion. That's toxic. Yeah. Whew. Damn. Well, this all makes sense now. But many of the other people that testified uh, on Lorena's behalf said that they had a feeling that she was uh, being abused. And many people even talked about how they personally saw him abuse her as well as seeing the impacts on her body. Oh, man. This is, I mean, might as well say this another thing that she brought up in the trial was the fact that john was really into um anal <laughs> it would often come home late at night after being out drinking him and forced her to have sex ew so that's even, forced her into that ooh, yeah forced into that i don't know that doesn't sound very good and and like i said when you hear what this dude did after all this you can tell that he like, really was yeah, this like sexual sex as fuck fiend, person yeah yeah and I think, uh, yeah, and then she just was not having it. She did not not like this. But in addition, there were many of John's friends that testified in court that John had a history of talking about his sexual fantasies. They said that John talked about how he liked to have four sex because that turned him on. And he denies <sighs> this, but honestly, I think he's lying. I think he did really like this. Really? Like That's your some, guess on it? Yeah, yeah. I think... Just by hearing him talk, that's what I thought too. He just seems like that type of aggressive guy. I mean... It really, it kind of fits. I mean, Aries, you know, Marine, tough, you know, physical. So I don't know. It, it kind of makes sense that you'd be into the, to that type of stuff. But there was actually another incident that was brought up involving a tape recorder in 1993. Lorena says that at the time she was wanting to get a divorce from John. And so he brought a tape recorder to start recording all the insults and put downs that John would say to her so that she could show it to the divorce lawyer. She said that when John found out about the recorder, he was extremely pissed and physically and sexually abused her just straight on the spot. 
She also said that John threatened her and that if she tried to divorce him, that he would follow her everywhere and wait outside her work. So that's crazy. I mean, if what she's saying is true, then John's just a complete fucking nut job that, yeah, is scary individual to be married with for sure. And when it was time for John to take the stand, he denied ever having forced sex with his wife. However, he did admit to restraining her on many occasions. And he said that he would sometimes push her, hold her down to try and restrain her from hitting him but that he would never hit or hurt her, which I just think is bullshit. And I, I think if you see him talking about yeah, this, you, you, can just, tell. you can just tell he's bullshitting. Yeah, I agree. But they also brought up that in February 1991, John was charged with assault and battery on his wife. He said that he never pleaded guilty or admitted doing it. But when an officer was asked to take the stand, the officer confirmed that John willingly entered a plea of guilty. John kept denying uh, or even remember being in the incident uh, when he was charged, even though there was actual proof being presented. So this was like, he was like a abuser for a while. And there was yeah. like multiple incidents. He didn't, you know, he went to jail multiple times. Like we said, the cops went, were there all the time. So this was like kind of an ongoing thing that, you know, eventually could blow up into what it did. I mean, it, it seems very plausible. Lorena actually received a lot of support from the Hispanic community during a trial on a daily basis or upwards of 50 people who would be there to cheer her on when she entered the courtroom for the day, as well as when she left. During the trial, Lorena says that she doesn't remember actually doing the cutting. She said the next thing she remembers was driving the car, but still being confused about what was going on. That doesn't surprise me. Like, I can see how you would just be like in a complete blur. I think you'd just have to be in a rage to do that. Because, I mean, even for... I mean, who wants to do that? Who wants to cut off somebody's, you know, yeah, genitals? Like that's just that's just yeah, like that's crossing insane. the line, no matter what, male or female. Yeah. That's just like blocked. Like you don't do that. I know. That's really, really savage. So I mean, she had to have just been in this insane State mindset. Of mind, yeah. yeah. Well, I think when you're just feeling attacked, like it makes sense. You've been through enough. Like it's like almost like PTSD at that point. It's like triggering. And she did say that after she like threw, you know, threw his dick away and stuff that she felt, <laughs> she felt like a sense of peace finally. Like she finally yeah. felt like a weight lift. All like it's over. Like, yeah, he can do never that do that to me again. Yeah, that's absolutely true. And if you're feeling like you're stuck in the marriage, you can't get divorced, you can't get help, then maybe that feels like the only way you can really escape the, the rapes. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Definitely makes sense. It's really hard for me to like, like I have to say I have, I am a woman who has never been in, and I know it's really, really rare, sadly, but I've never been sexually mistreated ever. And so it's hard to understand like what she could have been feeling. Like I've never had that feeling of being taken advantage of in that way of my body. Right. So it's something completely different. It's on another level for sure. I feel like unless you've been through it, you can't understand what she may have been feeling in that moment, you know? So I mean, we can't even understand really this whole situation when you think about it. Like, yeah, neither of us have been in like an abusive relationship or had, and we've been together since we were 17. So it's been pretty much it for each other. We've only been together. (laughs) And we have a very, very like, mellow relationship there's we don't have like fighting like this like i don't know i've never like raged with a guy to like even know what it would feel like to be scared of um i've never been scared of a guy ever and that's really really rare or just like ever felt like violence was needed in the situation yeah 
Yes. In a never rela- felt like I needed situation. to defend myself ever or anything like that. Somebody was going to come, you know. Hurt me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. Which I feel really, really lucky because the more I learn and the more I hear, happens to so I just people, feel like it's so, so uncommon women. to not yeah. have gone through stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. You're definitely fortunate for sure. Yeah. And I mean, during her trial, like so many people came forward, clients that Lorena had at the nail salon came forward and said that they've... Me they, too. Yeah, they remembered seeing bruises all over her arms and stuff like... Oh, yeah, that too. But yeah, but a lot of women just like came forward just saying that they have gone through similar things. Uh, you know, they just felt like they could be honest because of Lorena. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's the thing too. It wasn't like she was just bottling all this inside. Like she was actively like kind of telling people. She told this particular client that her husband was hurting her. So like this was like something that was ongoing, but just nothing. There was no action to separate them or, you know, stop this from happening. Really just seemed like, I don't know. I think she felt really trapped. I think she felt extremely trapped. And I think the, her being from a different country was a huge part of it. Just her lack of understanding and culture and just, mm -hmm. yeah. And just, and I think he was misinforming her a lot too. I do too. Yeah. I think she was, he was, he was totally like threatening her kind of like playing a a power position controlling her yeah yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. so initially all the state psychiatrists were in agreement and thought that lorena was had a sound mind and full control when this happened and that was more of a matter of spite and anger however at one point during the trial one of the state psychiatrists changed his testimony and said that she was actually out of control during this incident Hmm. so lorena's verdict um was made up by a jury made up of seven women and five men who found her to be temporarily insane. Lorraine was not going to be sent to prison, but instead was sent to a psychiatric ward for 45 days. Virginia law stated that if someone was acquitted by temporary insanity, then they must report to a hospital for mental evaluation. It was determined that she was experiencing PTSD, major depressive disorder, as well as panic disorder during the time she did this. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, she mm-hmm. went to a, a, you know, a facility and they, clearly were like makes sense she has major mental problems and she broke yeah Mm -hmm. they said that they didn't believe she had any control over impulses at the time of the incident and they said that from john threatening to continue to rape and beat her and follow her even if she tried to divorce him this was just you know building up this psychotic behavior in lorena yeah even when she was in the psych ward lorena got all kinds of attention the media was still trying to do anything they could think of to be able to get some footage of her one time there was a helicopter flying around the hospital during uh during this time trying to get footage of lorena while she was outside big names and news companies to try to send flowers to the hospital just to like oh that's so sketch i mean they like they really made a spectacle out of this like a complete like this thing blew oh yeah it was like a big big story blew up Lorena actually ended up getting released on March 1st, 1994 and, and was deemed not a threat to herself or society. God, you were like, what, two when this happened? I was like one. Yeah, just a wee little baby. We were babies. <laughs> but shortly after this, she filed for divorce from John, of course. I mean, you can't, I mean, there's no reconciling this relationship, I think, after this. So this is kind of where John begins his new life. So after several months, uh, after re- Lorena was released from the psych hospital, John decided to get into porn. Yes. Yeah. John is basically approached by uh, Ron Jeremy, Who's who that? is a 
very famous adult film star slash filmmaker. He's like old now, but one of the OGs of porn and basically was like, Hey, like come make a movie with us. You know, you'll make money and yeah, it's going to, everybody's interested in this guy that had his dick reattached. So John ended up doing a couple adult films. Uh, one was called John Wayne Bobbitt uncut. And of course I had to Google this and I ended up actually finding a clip from this film. What? There, there is a clip on Pornhub. I kind of want to watch it now, but I kind of don't. Porn makes me it's, nauseous. It's really, yeah. I mean, it's just really, eh. I think I could live without it. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. God, that's crazy to want to do that after all that. But it definitely shows like the type of dude he was. Well, I think they were like, you got to show the world that your penis works. Like, why not? You got to like people will be so interested and intrigued by the guy, you know, and if he's doing porn, like, oh, that's like going to be crazy. Like people are going to be all jazzed up about that. <laughs> so John Bobbitt moves to Las Vegas, Nevada when he starts working with Ron Jeremy. And John was expecting to make a lot of money out of these films, but ended up basically just getting taken advantage of. And like we said, this is this is about the point that he files for bankruptcy. And then he ended up going on and doing a, a, another adult film called Frankenpenis. <laughs> That's awesome. Known as John Wayne Bobbitt's Frankenpenis. Oh because actually God. what this guy did. So, so yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll just put it out there. So this guy is like definitely not porn star material. Really? No, I would say, I would say no. And I don't know. Everybody can make their own opinion, but that's just my opinion. <laughs> I don't think he's like, porn I feel like star most of our audience is not going to go look. Oh, like. I bet a lot of people will actually. <laughs> Cause it's so, I mean, you gotta, I mean, it's like, you gotta kind of know, like, right. You gotta know what the hell I couldn't find this film. Unfortunately, <laughs> oh I, I wish I could have. Cause apparently what he did is he, so his first two films that he did, he, it was just like, you know, all him and he had full functionality, but he didn't have like, I don't know. Something seems a bit off. Let's just, I'll just put it that way. Like, really? Like it seems like it's sort of working, but it's definitely not. He's definitely not getting like maximum performance out of this thing. Like, <laughs> that's the only thing. Like it's, uh, yeah, it's a little fucking, yeah. It's a disturbing. So what he ends up Josh doing gives him a C. <laughs> I don't know. It's almost a D. Oh, a D. D oh, uh, F. D plus. D I'll plus. give it a D plus. <laughs> D plus performance. Okay. I would say, and I'm not a porn expert by any means. But, oh, sure. <laughs> but anyways, what this guy ended up doing is because I think his first two like performances were like, eh, and probably because Ron Jeremy was like, hey, you gotta like beef this thing up, man. <laughs> Like we gotta, oh I want to do Frank and penis. You gotta get this thing Ew. looking crazy. So he goes to another surgeon, and he actually gets fat injected into his penis. <sighs> so weird. And God, leave the poor thing alone. The the wiener's like, God damn, yeah, just it's let been me through live. The ringer, Jesus. <laughs> but they they likened it to like a coke can. So if you think about so a it coke like can, a- yeah, I mean it was just like kind of short and fat, you know. Short and fat. Okay. So yeah, but so cans are kind of long. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure. I can't believe we're having this conversation right now on this I know. podcast. I know. Oh my god, what is our life? But then he ended up reversing it. Yeah, he's like, "Fuck that!" Didn't but, look good. But anyway, 
John goes on his way, and in 1994, he ended up being charged with striking Christina Elliott, a 21-year-old former exotic dancer he met in Las Vegas on a publicity tour. And on August 31st, 1994, he was convicted of battery and sentenced to 15 days in jail, which, come on, I mean, clearly, clearly, this guy's a fucking woman abuser. Like, yeah, it's so obvious. I mean, multiple women. I mean, he's just continuing this, this, you know, cycle of violence. And while he lived in Vegas uh, in 1998, he worked as many jobs, bartender, limo driver, mover, pizza delivery driver, tow truck operator, Franken penis. And he also had a stint serving at a wedding chapel as a minister of a universal life church there. But then in 1999, he pled guilty to a felony charge of attempted theft on stealing 150,000 worth of clothing in Nevada. He, what he was doing was essentially stealing clothes and then returning them to different store locations. In that same year, he started dating a girl named Desiree. And at one point, Desiree started paying for John to live in an apartment because he had no money. She would travel back and forth between where she lived into the apartment when they broke up. Desiree wanted to make sure that the apartment was going to transfer over to just his name. And when she went to confirm, John got extremely aggressive and started to beat her with random objects in the apartment. Desiree then claims that she was tied up and repeatedly raped. So this dude, like this dude's got multiple victims and multiple women that are saying he's, he's, he's a rapist. I mean, yeah. And honestly, like when you see this dude and you see an interview and you're like, yep, he seems like a piece of shit for sure. That would do this kind of stuff. Desiree says that John told her that she was his new Lorena and that nothing would ever keep him away from her. At one point, Desiree decided that she was going to try and literally play dead so that maybe he would think she's dead and leave her alone. At one point, she did this to the point where he was trying to see if she was still breathing. He then untied her and walked towards the door, and that's when she said she ran out of the apartment. John was found guilty of harassing her and was charged with harassment. And at the time of the charge, there, there weren't allegations of rape. And so a rape kit was not involved. So he's just like getting away with, with raping. It's crazy. However, during that day uh, that all this happened, there happened to be a boy living in the apartment across the hall, actually, that heard some yelling from outside his apartment. And so when he looked out the people, he actually saw John uh, dragging Lorena by the hair through the hallway of the apartment. Or Desiree, I'm sorry, through the apartment. And then in 2003, he was sentenced to prison for violating his probation. And then he was arrested on battery charges involving his then wife, Joanna Farrell. Mm-hmm. So he's just like one victim after the next. Yeah. He's just like that kind of guy. You can just tell by just how he was. Like he clearly, his, you know, personality was a certain type of dude, you know? Yeah. I feel like we've all like known that type of guy, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like slimy worse than that but as far as Lorena though after she got out of the psych ward she wanted to participate in either like a TV special or a movie about her life Um, because this was a way for her to make money but she also wanted a chance to like tell the truth and you know like the real story of like what happened and not just what the media was portraying if some type of show was to happen uh, the money was going to go into a trust and the only beneficiary of that trust was going to be Lorena However, her friend boss, Jana, convinced her to sign a contract that would give 15% of the shares to Jana. Lorena said that when she signed the contract, she had no idea that Jana was going to be taking some of the money from her. And she says that she felt extremely betrayed by her and was forced to cut ties. Damn. Yeah, that's savage. It is. She was also offered a million dollar deal with Playboy to do a spread in Playboy. 
And she, yeah. She turned it down. She I was mean, like, I wasn't raised like that. So good for her. That yeah. And that really and that shows, shows you again, yeah. again, like if she was the type to stage this whole thing, make up this whole thing and just cut someone's Why? dick off for no Why? reason, wouldn't she be also the type to go and make as much money off of it as possible? Yes. And she's not. So I think that was, that really shows the fact that he went on and did porn. She got offered probably more and didn't. So after her trial, her family actually moved from Venezuela um, to the U.S. to support their daughter. And in December of 1997, actually, Lorena was charged with a misdemeanor of assault and battery from punching her mother in the face. Damn. Because they apparently had an ongoing little feud going on, but ultimately she was found guilty. So who knows if that's indeed what happened. But I mean, I think people on, you know, kind of, who back up John Bobbitt and this whole idea that she staged this and she was just as crazy and violent and stuff, yeah. you know, things like this, you might be like, Oh, maybe she did play into this. And I, and I think she did have definitely a role in, in this and obviously nothing she did deserved what she got. But at the same time, I think she, it was just toxic. Like I think she was also like not making it any better for herself either, yeah, no. you know? Mm hmm. But after all this, Lorraine actually decided to go to college, and that's where she met a man named David. And David and her hit it off, and their friendship turned into love. And then she it's also, so great. yeah, so she ended up finding love. Good, happy, story and um, ending. Yeah, and she ended up devoting a ton of time, even to this day, spreading awareness on domestic violence Good and helping her. women get out of bad relationships. She even created the Lorena Gallo Foundation in 2008. And that just again shows, shows you yeah. she didn't fucking make this up, right? Which uh, this is a nonprofit organization that works with various community organizations helping victims of domestic violence. So that's, I mean, she does that, you know, even even now, and yeah, it just shows shows her character for sure. Mm -hmm. And I think during this time, like after it happened, I think they only like saw each other once, from like now to when the incident happened, I think they only like were in the same room once for like a show or something. Yeah. Yeah. Like yep. In the early two thousands or something. I yeah, think what were, show were they on? They were on something. I can't remember what it is. I can't remember either. Dang it. It was something where they had to like see each other face to face though. And they said it was really awkward. God. Imagine like ev everything changed after that night. Yeah. But what's so just bizarre about all this is that Lorena has talked about how she still gets letters from John where he's like expressing his regret and how he acted and treated her. Yeah. And he said the things that like he still loves her. Yeah. Stuff. Like he still tries to get in touch with her, even gets her this. Valentine's Day cards. But fuck. <laughs> Damn. Desperate. He just dude's fucking desperate. Yeah. And she's just like, leave me the fuck alone. Like, yeah. The hell. Gross. Get away from me. And, and the weird thing is like, whenever you ask him if he says, if he says, you know, I love Lorena still and stuff, he just like denies it whenever mm -hmm. you ask him. Even though that's the truth. But obviously this this case, like when you know, look at it as a whole, it's fucking wild. But at the but it's also a real good example or a real bad example, I guess, of you know, domestic violence and what, what it can what happens when a relationship goes south and there's sexual assault happening within a marriage and you know yeah, I all think the consequences. It's, it's just a huge um it's a great example of domestic violence and talking about marriage, like domestic violence within a marriage, sexual abuse within a marriage, which right. is often not talked about because yeah. I think, you know, there's kind of this like 
unsaid thing that like if you're married it's like fair game like that's how it really used to be yeah, like we said traditional earlier idea sure um but yeah i mean it's it's really i mean this case launched like them they like made laws because of this yep, right the violence against woman act yeah so yeah it's an interesting in case for sure so yeah i mean it's it sucks that this happened but at the same time i understand why it happened you know yeah i do too and i think that obviously the good things are nobody died in this case yeah and he seemed he turned out and he fine. Seemed fine sorry guys it's like um it's 12 a.m right now i'm really tired late night podcast. yeah we normally don't record this late but yeah. we just we just we're did feeling today. crazy tonight crazy <laughs> god damn dude i'm sorry i think i have like I'm so sorry. Ah. What am I supposed to do if I'm sick and I'm on a podcast for like an hour and 40 minutes? I can't not cough swallow at all. Swallow the cough, man. How do you swallow a cough? <laughs> I think I have like, I think I'm like developing like bronchitis or some shit. I don't know. I've been coughing so much today. Anyways. Okay, Josh. Sorry. You're so no, perfect. I'm Josh sorry never that you're is coughing. sick. I hope you feel better. I will make you some tea after this. How about you know that? what? You fucking better. I'll make you some tea, honey. You better. I will do it for you. Okay, thank you. But to wrap this whole <laughs> thing up, <laughs> you know, uh, this case is still like has pertinence to today. And obviously, like you mentioned, the Me Too movement, and all of that. Like, yeah. You know, sexual violence is still very like rampant and apparent and apparent in society and. It's a real issue that we got to continue talking about and, you know, trying to improve. And and I think a lot of it is just changing, you know, not only changing men's minds yep. about, you know, what a relationship is and, you know, equal, you know. It starts at childhood, though. Right. Like, it's more about raising good children. Yeah. You know, that's really how you change the world and fix this problem and is like raising good men, raising good women, too, raising women who respect men as well as respect themselves and vice versa with men. And I think that as a parent, as a parent is like your responsibility before sending your kid into the world and, and not teaching your kids that just because you're a male means you exactly, have some type of saying. advantage or power that you over have to female. respect right. them as an equal. Right. Yes. You should treat them as you would treat any other guy. That's what we will be teaching our sons. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was always sure. taught to respect women and to and it shows with never, you for sure. Yeah, never. Josh was such a gentleman. He always still is, <laughs> not was. But when I first met you, I was like, wow, he's like the most respectable guy I'd ever met. I try so to I married be. him. I try to be. I mean, it's just, it's fucking easy, guys. Like treat other people the way you want to be treated. Like how we got to go yeah. back to preschool and like <laughs> some people just didn't get that lesson. Like I some know. people just never learned that. It goes never back got to that shitty parenting though. Like right. look it's what John was taught as a child. Right. And, so, and that you use someone as an object. You feel kind of bad for him in that sense. Yeah, like he you was do. clearly abused. He clearly is fucked up mm -hmm. and has a lot of, you know, traumatic experiences. Yeah, of course. Like you have to have some and, type of compassion for people that commit these things. Like even though it's so terrible and there's no right. excuse, like, there's got to be some part of your heart where you understand that at one point they were a child and put through something to right. make them like this. I don't know. It's hard. It is hard. Endless discussion. But I mean, I, guess, I think this, but. this story is a, at least a lesson learner for all of us. And, you know, obviously if you're experiencing domestic violence, you gotta, yes. you gotta get help and get out of a situation like that. Yeah. We will ASAP. leave resources in the description box actually. Yeah. We'll leave the uh, phone number 
for the National Domestic Violence Hotline, uh, which quickly is just one 800 Because there are so many ways to get help, even if you're, yeah. you know, you're not sure if your situation, you know, you never know. So always reach yeah. out if yeah. you're concerned about your situation. I mean, and it's such a real thing. I actually had a client um, when I was working in IT that was a women's shelter. Oh, I remember um, that. Yeah. yeah. And I used to go over there and... It's a battered women's yeah, shelter. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just... I remember hearing phone calls and like just, you know, the people that work there talking about, you know, talking to women that are like, I got to get out before my husband gets home or, you know, I got to get my kids out and we don't have any way to get there. We need help. And it's there. The the crazy thing is, is that there's so many people and women that are dealing with these types of situations in our world right now. It's really sad. And and it really goes out to them. It's just sucks to not have like, you know, basic respect of your body it's just so shitty so vulnerable and it's not the way it should be at all it's just uh, completely unfair and yeah i mean shit i don't know it's an intense topic it is it is (laughs) now we're starting to just like i know it's like really late (laughs) feeling sad now but anyways it's an intense topic it is a very intense topic as like funny as the whole thing is like cutting End off of the, day, the penis like, and every, of yeah it's a really I mean, serious yeah. serious topic well yeah i mean hopefully you guys found this story interesting if especially if you haven't heard it before yeah, it and i want to know your guys' thoughts too like what do you think do you think this was handled right should lorena have gotten in more trouble well, should john have gotten in more trouble right well that's did they the kind of break even was it kind of like fair at the end well, I think that's kind of know. the result of it was, is it was kind of like, like what the judge these things offset, like, yeah. the charges offset each other. And they're like, we don't really know what to do. Yeah. Like it's Wild he shed, case. you know, it's he shed, her, she shed. <laughs> her word versus his. So, yep. but should she have served at least some type of punishment for like, sli- I mean, at the end of the day, she sliced it off. But then at the end of the I day, think it's self-defense. he, you know, he was accused of all these other yep. sexual assaults. So uh, yeah, I mean, kind of seems fair, but let us know what you guys think. Yes. Make sure you subscribe, like this video on YouTube if you if you're watching. But yeah, guys, thanks for listening and joining us on the Malahar podcast. We will see you guys next time. Stay safe out there. <laughs> Stay woke. We'll see you next time.